Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and, and we found Ted. Ted Wynn is here. He, he's on this continent. Um, what's going on, Ted? How was uh, how was uh, your time away? I'm back. No, I, I, I went to Japan to go snowboarding. It was, it was fun. Had a lot of great food. Everything is super cheap because uh, the yen is super down, so it was like, 30% off everything and food there is already a little cheaper than here. So ate a lot, had, uh, had fun and uh, I'm back and ready to fire off the takes. Any prospects you find over there? No prospects. It was like, uh, I was basically in like the Tahoe of Japan. So, you know, like living cabin life and not seeing a ton of people unless we went snowboarding. But yeah, I got, I, I got some snacks, you know, uh, when we get, we get our next podcast together. I'll bring some snacks over if, if, if they survive that long. All right. Well, let, let's hit the most relevant topic that I think everybody across the NFL is talking about. And the Raiders, as a team that needs a quarterback, it is worth at least discussing Lamar Jackson, given the non-exclusive franchise tag by the Baltimore Ravens, much cheaper price tag for them if that's what he ultimately plays on. But it does present a, a very unique opportunity where a young former MVP quarterback is available to be courted in free agency. He wants a big contract. He, well, probably wants a fully guaranteed contract. That seems to be the sticking point. And the price, if you end up signing him, is two first-round picks, which you know, when we talk about Josh Jacobs and the franchise tag, we'll discuss why that is not going to happen. Nobody's going to sign him for the price of two first-round picks. But when you're talking about a franchise quarterback and we look at the, tra- the trades that people have done, I mean, the Niners gave up three first-round picks to take a, you know, a lottery ticket in Trey Lance. Two first-round picks for a guy like Lamar Jackson— is not that much, but it, it is uh, it is a lot of money and, and probably a lot of guaranteed money. Yeah, it just doesn't feel too practical for the Raiders to actually be able to acquire him um, because of that fully guaranteed demand that he reportedly has. For people that don't know, when, when contracts are fully guaranteed, they have to place that money into escrow immediately. So you have to have cash on hand and um, we've talked about it before. The Raiders just, you know, with, with Mark Davis, he hasn't either hasn't been capable or hasn't been willing to commit that sort of cash um, at one time for, for players. And that's why you see a lot of their contracts are structured where they don't have very large signing bonuses. And with this one is essentially like given a $250 million signing bonus or whatever, you know, Lamar contract, you know, demand would, would come in at to try to be on par with Deshaun Watson. And so obviously they could offer him a lesser contract than that, but with the Ravens, it's hard to envision them not matching really any contract that's not fully guaranteed, you know, because they offered him a huge contract themselves reportedly, $250 million 
$130 million guaranteed. And so they clearly are willing to pay for him. They just don't want to guarantee the whole thing. And so it's just hard to really envision a scenario where they can pry him away without having cash that they don't have. Yeah, I think the Ravens are looking for another team to kind of solve their problems. They they, they haven't been able to get an agreement with, with Lamar. Lamar is his own agent, which is also interesting. But So they haven't been able to get a deal going. So now they're kind of, you know what? Somebody else can try, and if you do it, we'll, we'll, we'll take that deal. So thanks for helping us out. But I know people are upset that um, you read all the reactions yesterday about, oh, my God, how come Deshaun Watson has all the interest in Lamar Jackson doesn't? Well, it's only been less than a day, that's one. And two, it's kind of a cause and effect. I mean, Deshaun Watson somehow got himself 200 was it $203 million guaranteed from the Browns. 230 $230 from the Browns guaranteed. And the owners are obviously in the league not happy about that. So now I'm sure they've talked about it, and they don't want that to be a new standard. So I think Lamar Jackson's in a bad spot where, like, that's not happening again. And you probably deserve it more than he does, but that's not happening. So I think that's where we're at right now as far as why there's this impasse and people aren't really getting involved in pursuing Lamar Jackson so far. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, right after the Deshaun Watson deal happened, you know, we, we there was a bunch of reports that owners weren't happy with that deal. And because it sets a new precedence that um, was never set before, fully guaranteed, you know, especially a deal that is that large. And there's so many teams that are desperate for this elite quarterback. And you have this young quarterback that's suddenly available, 26 years old, MVP, extremely productive, won games. And then you have four teams that, are desperate for quarterbacks come out and say they're not interested in, in Lamar Jackson. You know, they came out with through sources and through some notable national reporters, but I mean, it's pretty interesting how quickly they came out and said they weren't interested. And, you know, I I don't think it's something against Lamar. I think it's definitely a reaction to what the Browns did. And I think it's kind of sending a message that the league is not going to put together that kind of deal again for another player. And I think a lot of that, too, is like teams not wanting to do the dirty work for the Ravens. I mean, why are you going to spend all your time trying, you know, you've seen it's been two years of negotiating between the Ravens and Lamar to try to get a deal done. And you've seen that Lamar is pretty much sticking to his guns. Like he wants that fully guaranteed deal. And like I don't begrudge Lamar at all for trying to demand that. I mean, if Deshaun Watson got it, 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 there's no reason that Lamar Jackson does not deserve it. And, And we you know, that's that's going to be a huge issue. But it doesn't surprise me that teams are sit, sitting there saying, like, I'm not going to do your dirty work. Because like you said, Vic, if these teams come together with some kind of a deal, and especially if they are able to get them to agree to anything that's not fully guaranteed, the Ravens, all they got to do is like, yeah, that looks good. We'll, we'll, we'll take that deal. So there's not a whole lot of motivation for them uh, to, to get into that business because the likelihood that they are going to get Lamar Jackson to agree to a deal and the Ravens aren't going to match it seems pretty low. With Lamar not having an agent, I do think that's a factor in terms of teams are probably finding out a lot about his contract demands like we are and the reports that come out about it. You know, he doesn't have an agent that's doing, you know, work behind the scenes to keep teams in the loop on, you know, I know ESPN report came out last week that he would accept a deal that's not fully guaranteed. And like teams are like, all right, which one do I believe? Like this report or that report? And the only way for them to find out is to talk to Lamar directly, which they can't legally do until Monday. And so we'll see. Like maybe, you know, once he's actually able to start talking to teams on Monday, some of those teams' tenor may change if they find out, you know, his demands are different. But even then, like if it's not a fully guaranteed demand, it's just hard to see the Ravens not matching it unless they just don't want Lamar Jackson, which seems 
silly to think of. And so it just, it's just hard to see him going anywhere this offseason, not just the Raiders, but any other team, unless they're willing to meet that price. But I mean, reportedly, if the Ravens did offer him 130 guaranteed, a team presumably could go way over that, you know, and, you know, I don't know how close the Ravens are to accepting a deal like that. Let's say if, you know, they, they went 200 million guaranteed that's 70, 70 million, you know, uh, more than their reported offer, which is a lot. It's not just like a shoe in that they would accept a deal like that. Yeah. Or maybe there's a, a world where if Lamar is willing to negotiate on the years, maybe he gets the modern day Kirk Cousins deal. Let's say three years, $150 million guaranteed. If he's willing to take something like that, I could see a team being more willing to try to do that than $250 million in cash guaranteed. And so are the Ravens not willing to do that? Who knows? You know, so it's I think it's there's just layers to it and we have to wait and see. We're not going to figure this out this week and people making proclamations about it. You know, it's probably not not wise. And so we'll see Monday. This could still go in a, in a few different directions. I'm just saying what what seems to be the most likely. And I mean, you kind of understand where the Ravens are at in that they've seen the last two years where he's gotten off to great starts. And then by the end of the season, he's hurt and they haven't had him in the playoffs to go and lose, a, you know, have a promising season end because your quarterback is unavailable for playoffs. And, you know, I'm not begrudging a guy for getting hurt, but, you know, the, what we kind of heard about that injury was that it wasn't going to be some kind of season ending injury it was a two to three four week injury and then it it lingers on throughout the season and whether it's justifiable or not it seemed like the Ravens were frustrated that he wasn't available so that's an added layer that the, the way he plays is he going to stay healthy and, and and that makes it tough to fully guarantee a deal because you fully guarantee a deal you know and we know the owners don't want to do it because it, it's about setting precedent but the way the salary cap works you fully guarantee a, a deal and suddenly a guy suffers a, a career altering injury career-ending injury, I mean, your salary cap can be screwed for the next three, four, five years, however long there's left on that deal. And let's just say, if there was a team that might want to buck, you know, the whole collusion, kind of like saying, you know, screw everybody, it might be there, but it might be Mark Davis, and it might be, you know, Snyder in Washington, but in Mark Davis's case, back to the first point, I don't think you have $230 million in the closet you can just put aside and say, okay, this is, this is for you. So I think even if the small remote chance they wanted to go for him, I don't think it's feasible. So that's why I think people are going to be excited about Lamar Jackson if you're a Raider fan. I get it. You want to go from Tom Brady and I was Aaron Rodgers. That's not going to happen probably. Now it's Lamar Jackson. You want the big pie in the sky, but I think it's not going to happen. So I think you have to go back to uh, to your draft board, look at the top quarterbacks in the draft, and start scouting uh, Jimmy G. hate to say that, but that's also a possibility. But um, So get the sights a little lower if you're, if you're a Raider fan. And people have to be real. Like Mark Davis isn't about to – sell assets and give up his house and go to casinos and put it all on black to like find his cash to, to do this for one player. Like, you know, I mean, it's just, we've got to be realistic with, with how this, how these things work. He won't sell the aces to, uh, to get, uh, <laughs> oh, man. that would be a bad look. <laughs> that That is his baby. That is his he baby. His arm first. He ain't selling the aces. That's his, that's his baby. All right. Before we move on to the other franchise tag player, uh, J- uh Josh Jacobs, let's quickly hit on Derek Carr is a New Orleans Saint. Um, Ted, do you have anything you want to say to Derek Carr? I've said it plenty um, throughout this process at the at the end of each podcast, but I'll say it again. Goodbye, Derek Carr. I, I thought the Jets were always the best destination for Derek Carr because, you know, he's looking for this winning team. The, the Jets have this young nucleus of players. They won games even with a really bad quarterback last year. And New Orleans always seemed kind of like a, a gamble to me. I mean, they... Been, they've been bleeding talent 
throughout the last few years. Um, you know, everybody says the cap is fake because of what New Orleans did, but they clearly are suffering the effects of what they've been doing the last few years. They have an unproven coaching staff. They have one of the oldest rosters in the league. They have talent there, but I mean, this Saints team could realistically fall apart at any time. So I never thought New Orleans was a great destination. I understand, yeah, you're playing in a dome, you're making money, blah, 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 but they could seriously end up a really bad team in a couple of years. So uh, we'll, we'll see how, what happens there, but it seems like the Jets just kind of turned their attention to Aaron Rodgers. And as soon as that happened, Carr signed with New Orleans. You know, there weren't a ton of options out there, I think, would pay Derek Carr that kind of money. Carolina was another place, but, you know, that's a young team that's kind of rebuilding as well. So, yeah, I think New Orleans was kind of what was left for him, but we'll see whether that works out or not. The Jets were never going to sign Derek Carr before they know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. It's just Aaron Rodgers is their ticket. You know, they, I mean, I think they have a good enough roster that you throw Rodgers in and if he's playing at a, at a near MVP level, that, that's a really damn good team in the AFC. Um, and, and so it just, it never made sense for them to settle on Derek Carr before they knew that they weren't going to get Aaron Rodgers. And I mean, it's looking pretty good. Like they got a, a, a good shot to get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they, they come out to California to meet with him. So it's understandable that, I mean, if Derek Carr wanted to beat free agency and that's what it sounds like he wanted to do, he didn't want to wait until the open market happened last week and everybody becomes available. If he wanted to beat free agency, what's going to happen with the Jets? I think it worked out well for him. I think the Jets would have been a bad place for him, I think, as far as expectations of him being the missing piece. That media market, that would have been tough. And the cold weather is, is definitely, it's a fact. I mean, he doesn't play well in cold weather. You can say, oh, what you want, but look at the numbers, they're, they're not pretty. So I think those two things, I think he's much better off in New Orleans, the lower expectations. I think uh, there is some talent there. I think there's some talent in offense. Uh, the division's pretty bad. I think he's the best quarterback in the division by far right now, so... Uh, he got $70 million, you know, like 60 for but it'll, it'll, it'll be $70 million guaranteed pretty much if he plays more than one year there, which he will. So that's much better than what he gotten with the Raiders in terms of guaranteed money. So I think it worked out well for him. Remember when Derek Carr wasn't going to be able to find a contract on open market? That was a fun time. That was a fun time. People forget, man, quarterbacks get money, man. Daniel Jones gets paid. Everybody gets paid for your quarterback. So, <clears throat> Geno Smith, that's the way the NFL works. That Justin Herbert contract is going to be it's going to be nuts. I mean, just based on what these you know second third tier type of guys, yeah, Joe Burrow, um, and those guys are the top of the tier tier one type of uh, quarterback. What happens then? That'll be interesting. They're like, I want all guaranteed. I want the Sean Watson money, baby. Mm, fun to watch. Bengals and Chargers are not cash rich teams either. Those are those are not. I mean, they'll uh, they'll find something to make it work. But we're not talking about teams that uh, that are loaded with cash either. All right, let's talk about Josh Jacobs. Uh, the Raiders franchise tag him, and uh, you know, I think we, we kind of figured that this is the way it was going. Um, it doesn't mean that they can't sign him to a long-term extension, and um, I, I don't think there was any way they were going to be able to sign him to a long-term extension before free agency opens up. Uh, just too many good running backs on the open market that um, that market will dictate what Jacobs' market is. But by locking him in with the franchise tag, the Raiders know they can have him on the 2023 roster. Obviously, they still have the potential to trade him if— if he doesn't seem like he's going to be happy on the tag or if, if they find a good deal out there. But tagging him seemed like the most sensible way to at least ensure that you can have him on next year's team. I mean, they've got the cap space to carry that that tag, 10 million, 10.1 million, whatever it is. They have the cap space to carry that. Um, I'm sure if, if they can find a you know a three or four year deal that lowers that cap hit a little bit, even better. But um, it, it seemed like this was the way it was going. 
Yeah, and we'll see how serious Jacobs was about his quote during Super Bowl week about being the hero turned villain playing on a tag. But it, you know, if he is serious, and it seems like yeah, they they do only have two choices: they either really surround him with talent and um, go after Lamar Jackson, or they uh, or they uh, they hammer out a, a long term deal with them, or you use this time that the that tag buys them. Yeah, I don't think this is over just yet in terms of their immediate future. They're about $39 million in cap space, so it doesn't hurt them that bad. But they have until July to try to work out an extension with them still. I don't expect them to make major blockbuster moves this offseason. You know, Josh Jacobs is probably not going to be happy with the state of the roster after the draft in, in terms of their ability to go and compete this year. He doesn't sound like the type of guy to make it too ugly, but I don't think we can rule out a, a world where maybe he gets gets disgruntled if a long-term deal isn't able to get done and tries to request a trade or something of that nature. And so I don't think we can, like, you know, put anything in, in Sharpie just yet, but at least going into free agency, they know where they stand. See, this, this is what happens when you eat uh, well-done steaks. Like, you, you just, it's too dry. All right, all right, all right, all right. Enough, Deshaun's enough. Steak, steak had some pink in it. I can confirm I saw the steak. It, what you medium plus you, you you went with it it was there was pink in the middle and he was fine with it he enjoyed it can confirm it was not well done medium plus is a pro, it's progress it's progress wow so this finally the end of the state conversation wow this is a great day in state of nation history we can put this to bed beautiful Deshaun eats good steaks all right moving on we'll see what happens I mean I'm sure he's not he's not thrilled with the uh, ten point one million dollars how could you be you had a great you know, best running back in the league. You want to get rewarded for it. He's not. So, but uh, he's a team guy. He'll see what they do as far as the roster goes. And, but yeah, I definitely don't think he's going to be happy if they don't improve the roster and he's sitting there at 10.1 have to go, you know, risk his body again next year for, for uh, on a year to year deal. So I think like these guys said, it's TBA. We'll see what happens. And um, they took care of business. They had to get it done. It was, it was a date and a deadline. So they, they did it and they can move on and add some guys next week. And, you know, the, the Jacobs thing will remain on, on the front burner. All right, let's talk about some names they could add next week. This year's free agency class, and I don't know if it's Stinks. the most exciting. It, it's, it's not the most exciting group out there, yeah. I mean, there there are there are definitely players that can be acquired that can improve your team. But, I, I mean, we've said it before, free agency is not the ideal way to improve your team. It, it's, it's where you can, you know, if you can find one or two pieces that really fit and then add some supplementary pieces that's kind of the way to go and you you need to build the team through the draft and the team is just consistently just throwing away the draft picks Deshaun, you put together a list um everybody can check that out on friday of of 50 names that uh that, that fit the raiders that uh you know at various levels where do you think the raiders should go when uh when monday the the negotiated window opens up if they're gonna you know, throw out that offer, you know, Vic, you, you and I remember back in the, the days when they signed Trent Brown and it was like two minutes after the negotiating period opened up, he had agreed to a deal because they, they threw him an offer that was, you know, far and away uh, as good as you can get. And he, they didn't even listen to anything else. They said, yes. So if on Monday, the Raiders are going to throw around some money, who's the first call they make? Yeah, for me, it should be Javon Hargrave, the Eagles' defensive lineman. Um, he's he's came off a sensational season, along with basically everybody else on the Eagles' defensive line last year. He would be a huge upgrade for them as somebody who's an elite run defender and also an elite pass rusher from the interior. That would help take some pressure off of Max Crosby, maybe unlock Chandler Jones, um, and, and address a major need on the defensive side of the ball for them. And you know, while we don't think they're going to try to construct this roster with a bunch of free agency signings, I do think they could benefit 
from an upper upper tier difference maker on defense um, to to give Max Crosby some help. And there are a couple of those type of guys um, in this free agency class um, outside of Hargrave. Uh, James Bradbury, cornerback from the Eagles, who's coming off an all-pro season. He has some history with Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator. He uh, coached him for two years with the Giants. Jesse Bates, um, the third, the, the Bengals safety. He's another guy that's one of the best players at his position. And these are all guys that are going to take top of the market deals, but I believe they'd be worth it and could help, you know, give that defense some much needed, much needed juice. Like they really, with their cap space situation, they really only have room to do like one of these moves. And I think if they do one, it should come on the defensive side of the ball. And then from there, they should try to address a few more needs with some some lower and more cost-effective signings. One guy that, you know, based on reports, he might be looking for a top-of-the-market type of deal. But I really like Draymond Jones from the Broncos. You know, the Raiders do play some odd front, and he's more of a tweener that could play that head-up on a tackle position in a 3-4, a little lighter for just a full-time D tackle around 280 pounds, but I think he's just a monster inside. He's the type of guy that looks like he's ascending. He's a young player, too. Another guy, David Long Jr., linebacker from the Titans, really good player that could do it all. And obviously the Raiders need some linebacker talent. So those are two two guys that might not demand uh, or might not make top of the uh, market type of deals, but uh, two guys I really like. Yeah, I like I like Long myself, but also um, I'm not sure they can. I mean, Hargrave will cost a lot of money, which all these guys at the top will. So I'm not sure if that's um, really going to be the, the wise move. But if they, if they want to do it, that makes sense to me. He's an impact guy. I think Bradbury probably makes a little more sense. Could be a little less money, I would think, to Hargrave. He's a guy like like Sean said has some background with Patrick Graham. He can come in and uh, solidify one spot and also help our younger players as far as getting better. There are young guys in this roster who need someone to look up to and kind of emulate. So. I think in this region market, there's not a lot there. It's not it's not very buzzy or kind of a lot of big names or impact guys. So I think you got to really pick your spot and get one up top, take two days off, and come back at the bottom of the region market and get some guys to help your depth. I think that's the best way to go for it if you're the, if you're the Raiders. I mean, outside of defense, you know, we know offensive line is an area they could, you know, they have room to upgrade. It's just a matter of what what is their philosophy. You know, they they went into last season. We all said this last year. They they need to upgrade their offensive line, and, and they didn't. And they kind of made it work. You know, they were they were certainly better on that offensive line than we expected. It wasn't nearly as big of a problem as we thought it would be. But if they go into this and say, "All right, let's get ourselves a right tackle and really be able to be solidified at the bookends with Colton Miller and, and a new right tackle," uh, you've got Juwan Taylor, you've got Caleb McGarry, you've got Mike McGlinchey as, as three guys probably at the top of that tackle list that uh, that could come in and. You you would be able to say, all right, we're not too worried about our right tackle now. Oh, I mean, I wonder if they're just going to take the philosophy of not spending a ton on the offensive line and continuing that because you know, they do have possibly they could bring Brandon Parker back. They liked him before he got injured. They are Mumford. What? what? I mean, <laughs> the, he was a starter before he got hurt. So, I mean, I, I, I'm just saying if they do decide to cheap out on the offensive line. Brandon Parker's the again. answer, guys. Brandon Parker. Run it back. I mean, he was their starter last year before he got hurt. They seem to like him a lot. So I'm just saying if... Didn't he get like hurt like the first week or second week of camp? There, Munford is a young guy who, you know, they seem like they they want to develop. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I mean, I, I don't see them giving out a monster contract for a right tackle. Maybe it'll be one of the, you know, second or third tier type of guys. But I just don't see them giving top of the market contract to, you know, Dewan Taylor or Mike Vinci. 
their offensive line, like it was passable. Like they were pretty good against running the ball. Um, they were like below average as in pass protection. So, you know, like they can work around a little bit, but I do think they need to improve their offensive line. And Dave Ziegler said that they need to. And we spoke to him at the senior bowl and then uh, again at the combine. So I don't think they're just going to like run it back with the group that they have. And I think that'd be unwise, but there are some veteran right tackles available that wouldn't cost that much. Uh, Kelvin Beecham from the Cardinals, Andrew Wiley from the Chiefs, Trey Pipkins the third from the Chargers. And so there's some of those cheaper guys that won't cost as much that would be an upgrade, I still would say, over Jermaine Illuminor. Um, and also outside of right tackle, they also need some help at guard, I would say. That was a, a rotational position for them. We're still waiting to see um, what's going to happen in, in terms of is D- Dylan Parham staying, staying at guard? Is he going to move to center? But I think they need at least one starting caliber set, uh, guard coming into next season to add to the team. And there's a top of the market type guard like Isaac, Isaac Samalo, I think is how you pronounce it from the Eagles. Um, but there's a bunch of other, you know, cheaper guards like Nate Davis um, from the Titans or Ben Powers from the Ravens or Dalton Risner from the Broncos. And so I think there's some guys, veteran offensive linemen that wouldn't cost all that much that they could get that could help bring some stability to that offensive line. And and especially if they're not going to be spending that much at quarterback, which we don't think they will be, you might as well invest in the offensive line and and give your give that guy a better chance to maybe over overperform, whether it's, you know, a stopgap starter or or a rookie. My question was, is it uh, interesting that the Raiders have not I mean, we're five days away from you know, free agency starting. They have not re-signed any other 27, 28 players from last year who are free agents. I mean, Josh Jacobs got tagged, but I thought by now they'd sign a few of these guys for depth reasons. Like you mentioned, the O-line, Elementor is your free agent. Just a bunch of guys, Mac Hollins played well last year. I'm just thought it's kind of interesting that none of those guys have been re-signed yet. I wonder if that guy is telling about what they really thought about, about last year's roster. Well, I mean, they sucked, so I mean... I wouldn't be like in too much of a rush to like. Well, Matt Collins didn't suck. No, I'm, saying, I'm, saying, I'm not saying the guys suck. I'm saying like the team sucks. So like I could understand <laughs> right. seeing, you know, if we can like improve at some, some spots out here. But like, I think Josh Jacobs, like that's, that is a pretty significant cap hit this year in terms of $10 million. And so in terms of before free agency starts, you know, and let, let see guys see what guys market are. You know, I, I think like, Part of this list, obviously, is quarterbacks. Like Jimmy G is really the only significant quarterback free agent, really. Um, if it's not him, then it's going to be a stopgap guy. And if you're going to sign a stopgap guy anyway, you might as well re-sign Jared Stidham. But I do think they want to kick the tires and let's see what you know Jimmy G might cost. Is it not as expensive as as it might we it might think it might be before we just rush to re-sign Stidham? And so I think it's I don't think they're necessarily like saying that those guys like wouldn't be guys we want to have back, but it's just seeing what else is out there. And I think when you go six and 11, like you should, you know, cause they had some guys that were solid. They were cool. You know, I right, but like, let's see if we can maybe get better for a comparable or maybe not that much more expensive price. I mean, if I'm a guy like Matt Collins, like I saw what happened with the wide receiver market this year. No way in hell am I re-signing with the Raiders until I see what's out there on the open market. I mean, we've got him ranked um, as our the number eight wide receiver available in free agency and the number ninety five uh, free agent total. Uh, yeah, I mean, if if I'm him, nah, I'm I'm seeing without what's out there on the open market before. Uh, I just had a, I just had a really good season. I want to see what I can get out there. Even Jermaine Illuminor is a in on our athletic hundred and fifty rankings. He's one oh six overall. You know, so if, if you're those guys, I mean, you, you probably want to see what kind of money is out there, especially a guy like Collins, just because we saw 
the the wide receiver market last year went crazy and and you're not you're not taking a cheap deal until you know it's out there right it's also because like foster moreau and deron Harmon. i thought maybe resigned by now but i guess there's still five days left so we'll, we'll see what happens Foster Moreau, the number five tight end available on the open market. Number five wow. free agent at tight end. We're four and six. <laughs> uh, let, let me get it for you. Number four, Robert Tunyon. Number six, Jordan Aikens. Yeah, okay. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's not a very sexy free agent class. Uh, he had 37 catches for 495 yards and five touchdowns last year for your Houston Texans. Right. Test that market, Foster. Good I luck. think one more position worth talking about is linebacker because um, they're, they're kind of in a position where they have a clean slate. They're really the only significant player they have under contract is Devon Diablo, who was a starter last season. But like Denzel Perriman's a free agent, Jayon Brown, most of the other linebackers. And there's some pretty good linebackers like available. Uh, no Y'all mentioned um, David Long earlier, but like Bobby Wagner, Levante David, Tremaine Edmonds. I can't pronounce Buddy's name from the Colts. Bobby O. I'm going to just call him Bobby O. Um, Bobby O. Yeah, Akira K. Akira K. Um, Stanford guy. <laughs> he changed. See, the, 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 his pronunciation was, it used to be Okariki when he was in college. And then, you know, he's one of those guys that, like, once he got to the NFL, he finally said, no, nah, that's not how, not how you pronounce my name. And Okira K. Now it's Bobby O. That's all, I'm not calling him anything else. Bobby, Bobby o, o, baby. But there's like a good, oh, there's like a 10 plus linebackers that would be upgrades for them. And I think with that, that market tends to, like, those guys. I know we've seen some pretty big more linebacker. Than, more, than, more than 10. Yeah. We don't, we, we've seen right. some pretty big linebacker contracts, but. You would be an upgrade for Yeah, him. I would, actually. You know, shouts to Josh. But anyway, I think that's also a position where they can make make some upgrades. And there's some some pretty good talent there, um, even though the overall free agency class isn't that great. I do think there's a, a few areas they can improve on defense by plucking some guys that don't cost all that much. I mean, and a linebacker is a traditionally undervalued position across the league so it's 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 somewhere where you feel like you might be able to get a little bit of a value there right where you don't have to break the bank but you can sign a guy that can really help improve your defense i mean even a guy like quincy williams from the jets if you're trying to find another thumper to replace denzel perriman he's a young guy that could fly around and and hit people too so there's a lot of value in in the linebacker market this year and that is the tricky thing is like they are having to replace Denzel Perryman, who was a great value for them. I mean, they they traded for him when he, he signed with the Panthers and didn't work out there. I mean, they got him on a two-year, $6 million deal, which was great value for especially his Pro Bowl year, his first season. And then, you know, second season, obviously injuries and, and wasn't quite as good. But the value of his contract was phenomenal. I mean, if you can get a guy, uh, if you can bring in a linebacker on, on a contract similar to that, that can provide that kind of value. Uh, you know, we saw what he was able to do, uh, especially in 2021. He was the best Rares linebacker in 20 years. And defense still was terrible. They made the playoffs, buddy. That's Long. true. Playoff defense. You're right, my bad. You, you, can't, you can't just laugh off playoff appearances with the Raiders. Not, those, are, uh, those are rare. Oh, they got lucky. They got lucky. Those are really count. <laughs> I, hate the, I hate when people say that. But anyway, go ahead. We're diverting. You'd love to get lucky. All right. Any any other big names that uh, you guys want to hit on be, uh, before we get out of here and, uh, and and get ready for the craziness that will be next week? We're going to talk a little draft, right? A little draft talk? Little draft, yeah. What, what, what? You know, we obviously we talked to you guys from Indy uh, while Ted was uh, halfway around the world, but or all the way around the world. But that was on Wednesday. You guys got to check out the quarterbacks later in the week. And what were your impressions, uh, especially of those guys? Because you know that that's the position that is is of the most interest for this team. My biggest takeaway, well, obviously uh, Richardson, you know, blew everybody away. He's the most athletic quarterback prospect in history of the NFL. 
Uh, so that was something to behold. But for me, CJ Stroud's a guy who looked really, really good in passing drills. He did really well, I think, all week long. And to me, he's a guy now's going to go in the top two, if three of by the worst, but he's going to go up there. So I think if you were the Raiders, at some point you thought maybe you can get to five and get CJ Stroud, that's not happening. So to me, that's the biggest takeaway from, from my standpoint as far as the quarterbacks go and the Raiders. Yeah, mine was that they're going to have to make some sort of trade up to get one of the guys that I, I would deem worthy. Like, I, I wasn't really moved by Will Levis. I don't think that's a secret to anybody. Also talking to other people at the Combine, like other teams, like reporters that cover other teams, like he didn't, like, blow anybody's socks off at the Combine. And so – but I don't think Anthony Richardson, after the way that he tested, is going to be there past maybe five or six. And so even if it's a small trade, it may not be something that they have to – you know, they don't have to mortgage the future like they would have to to go to number one or something of that nature. But I don't – I'm not so sure they can just sit at seven anymore and have their choice of Richardson or Levis. And But I do think, you know, something that maybe they feel they don't have to is the, the, I do think there's some solid depth in the class, um, not just Hendon Hooker, but Jake Hayner and then uh, Clayton Toon. And there's a couple of other guys that are probably not day one starters. Um, Hendon Hooker could be, but he's coming off an injury. But maybe there are guys that you can develop and maybe have some upside to become starters um, next year or, or compete for, you know, with somebody like Jared Sidham for the job this year. And so they don't necessarily have to get one of the top guys. Like if they – you know, don't it doesn't mean they're screwed and they can't come out of this 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 class without a developmental quarterback. Obviously, those guys are the most exciting ones, but I think they have a couple of different routes they can go. That was, you know, I think they they can remain flexible a little bit when it comes to their quarterback plan between free agency and a draft. Obviously, I had to commit at some point and go for somebody at some point, but I think it's still a pretty fluid situation. I don't think it's a it's a a situation where they're homed in on, yeah, this is our guy. We got to go get this guy and then make this move to go get him. It's been kind of an interesting journey for this quarterback class because as soon as as last year ended, everybody was like, this class is going to be a super strong class. And then as the season progressed, it became like, oh, you know, maybe it's kind of an iffy class, not as strong as we thought. And then after the combine, it's like, oh, this is, you know, you'd be better being a top five or else three guys are going to be off the board again. I did an article this week on Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. I think with Anthony Richardson, he doesn't get enough credit for doing a lot of the mental work that a a quarterback does, progressing through plays, changing uh, protections and and that kind of deal. And obviously he's raw and he could get more refined in this process, but he's not as raw as what some people thought. And I think his receivers at Florida were pretty bad as far as tracking the ball and getting open. That type that offense asked him to do a lot as far as drop back passing too. He didn't have those like little easy screens and RPOs to pad his stats. He was dropping back and having to go through progressions and that kind of, you know, hurt his completion percentage as well, but they were good reps to have on film. So I I think when you look at Anthony Richardson, he's not as raw as people think he needs time. He needs to develop. He wants to stay in the pocket and he maneuvers the pocket pretty well. Uh, As far as Will Levis before watching his film, I thought I would not like him at all, but I ended up, liking him a lot better than I thought I would as far as his arm talent it, it's elite I mean he can make every single throw he could throw a touch he's a lot more accurate on all levels of the field than I thought but that Kentucky offense was just pretty terrible as far as a protection standpoint one of the worst that I've seen for a first round type of quarterback so that affected how he played a lot but he is older he's going to be 24 when the season starts and a problem is, you know, he does get antsy um, against the pass rush, and that might be a product of the type of pressure he saw 
um, in college constantly, but he doesn't want to stay in the pocket. If he gets pressure, he's tr- he's trying to run to get out of there. So you do have to protect him if you do draft a guy like Will Levis. But those are two guys with all the traits in the in the world that you want, but they are a bit of gamble because they weren't productive in college. Yeah, Raiders fans don't like that skittish in the pocket. They, you know, a certain a certain sect of Raiders fans. That sounds like PTSD for them. He is a plus athlete, though. He could do some damage with his legs. Yeah, he took some hits. He definitely, I thought he stood in once in a while, took some big hits in Kentucky. But um, here's a scenario I want to paint. So what happens if you're the Raiders and you decide we have enough, too many holes in our roster, we're not going to trade any capital, we're going to stay at seven. And what happens if the other three guys go and you're at seven and Will Levis is there? Do you take him? Because they're thinking this is a chance to get a guy who can be in a spot now where this, we can't take a little gamble. And my question to you, Ted, is I know you know Mr. Comps. We saw the success that McDaniels had with, I can't think of his name now, my guy. Uh, Mac Jones. Why uh, Ronnie Baby Mac Jones? So Mac Jones, you saw the success you have with Mac Jones. What's the cop between Will Levis and, and, and Mac Jones? Is there any similarities you might see McDaniels? Might, okay, this guy can do with him what I do with Mac Jones. The comp is he's the complete opposite prospect as as, as Mac Jones. Mac Jones was kind of like a weak armed quarterback, extremely accurate. Mac Jones actually had pretty good pocket presence. That, that was one of his uh, plus traits. And um, to clarify on Will Levis, uh, he did hang tough in the pocket, but I think he's kind of like ignorant of the rush. Like he will take hits and, and stand in the pocket, but he doesn't manipulate the pocket. Like if he does feel like he has to move, then he's going to get out of there. He, he's not going to try to manipulate within the pocket. But, you know, he's a big athlete that can run uh, just really opposite of, of what Mac Jones does. But I think Big Daniels has been kind of searching for that dual threat quarterback for a long time. In Denver, he uh, he you know, obviously drafted Tim Tebow. They tried to make it work with Cam Newton, but you know he was just too old and beat up at that point. So I, I do think uh, McDaniels has been searching for that dual threat type of quarterback. They picked Max Jones that year because he was the only quarterback left. I think every quarterback was drafted already by the point they um, they they drafted. So I, I don't know if Max Jones is their prototype, but they did make it work with Max Jones. I mean, he does have some good traits as far as processing and, and accuracy. But I do think that McDaniels does want that new type of prototype that everybody's searching for, the dual threat guys with, an, an, uh, with elite arm talent. And Levis does represent that. That could be the comp is that Mac Jones was the last guy left. So if Will Levis Ooh, is the last guy go. left and you're not, you don't, you don't want to have to give up capital. You want to just, okay, like what have we've said about McDaniels and the Patriots is that, and why did Mark Davis want to hire him? Is that, oh, they're adaptable. He's been able to work with these quarterbacks. And obviously his, all, most of it, 99% of his success with Tom Brady, but he has, you know, in the last few years, you know, found that success with Mac Jones. And if you want that adaptability, he, he might be a guy that's like, all right, let's not give up assets, but that's the fourth of the elite quarterbacks prospects available. Let me take him and I can work with him. I'm not so sure they like all four guys. That might be the only thing. And, you know, just take, especially considering what happens when you take a quarterback in the first round. And I just don't take a guy just because he's the guy there, like especially top 10, because that starts your clock. And especially, you know, if there's a defensive player that they have rated similarly and things of that nature, like it, I don't think they're going to force it, um, which they both, you know, Ziggler and McDaniels both said that last week. Every team is probably going to say that, but I think they mean it. And so I think they would just shift towards trying to add one later in the draft um, if they don't like the guy or aren't all the way sold on the guy at number seven. I don't see them just doing it just to do it. With kind of prospects like Richardson and Levis that need development, you really have to love the type of person they are because you have to believe that they were, they're going to work hard. 
and they have the mental capacity to take on an NFL offense and, you know, really develop and, and take a huge jump from where they are in college. So I think interviews would be really big for them. So, I mean, how, how did you guys hear how Levis and Richardson interviewed? I know there's some c- conflicting reports on Richardson. Some some people say that he, he blew it out of the water and other people said, you know, it, it was kind of a mixed bag. I think it's the same of, of Levis. I think it was also a mixed bag. I think um, he's got he's got a little swagger to him, which I think you're going to like right away or not. He's got a little, you know, and if most quarterbacks, it's good. You want some some confidence. So I think, um, I'm not sure how he did in the Raiders meeting, but I think, um, like you mentioned, there's traits he has, which are very um, enticing. And also, he ran a pro-style offense, which I think is also enticing. So I think, um, I'm not sure you're selling for Will Levis, but saying if you think, all these top four guys have question marks. There are no, there's not a perfect prospect in the four of them. But it's just the, it's the degrees of what you're willing to work with and what you're excited about. So I think my, my point is if you are them and you want to stay at seven, uh, you're not selling for him, but he may be good enough where you're like, you know what, this guy can he can be really good if we, with my coaching and my expertise, which is what Josh is selling. So that's why I think he might be an option at seven. All right. Well, we will have plenty of more time to talk about the draft and kind of see where all these prospects shake out. I mean, and, and hey, in the next month and a half or so before uh, before that late April draft, maybe the Raiders make a trade and uh, and things become even more interesting. But we will turn our attention toward free agency next week, and we will see what happens when the negotiating period opens on Monday. Teams can start officially signing players on Wednesday, but as we all know, Monday, Tuesday, those can be busy days. Even this week can be a busy week. Uh, last year is kind of when things started going wild. I think this was the week last where it was, you know, Russell Wilson and Devontae Adams trades and Khalil Mack trades. The AFC West went wild uh, this week last year. So we'll see if anything goes down like that. I don't think so, but uh, but you never know. And uh, next week should definitely be a busy one. We will kind of monitor the news and we'll see when there is maybe a, a, a small window. Uh, we, we all know that that is a week where we pretty much wake up at yeah, whenever we wake up until uh, whenever we go to bed, we're, we're usually pretty busy with work, but we'll try to hop on and have maybe a live room and chat with you guys uh, with, uh, you know, breaking down whatever kind of big moves the Raiders do happen to make over that uh, the course of that exciting week, and uh, we'll see what the, the Raiders do. All right, Joe. Adios. We made it. No uh, no crazy last two minutes of uh, the pod. Next, next time. Next time, guys. All right. Later. Stinks. Stinks. Blech.